0: So, Sammy Boy, every day that you don't surrender over your Gundam kits to me, like the big poo-poo head that you are, I'm going to snip off one of my fingers and throw them at your door.
1: Well, I hope you have more than ten figures, because I'm not stopping until I get a whole Zaku lo- collection. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking every Zaku 1, every Zaku 2, every single fucking Rick Dom there is. <laughs> All the way up to the goof and the Sigok. I'm not stopping, because you've been rowing, my friend.
0: You be rowing? Are you two rowing? <laughs> I'm rowing alright. I right. rowing? Zig Zeon? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Irishman fighting for Zeon. When when can we see that in Gundam? Uh, yeah, well everybody, yeah. thanks for tuning in. My name is Ian, your host of the Inciting Moment podcast. Who else here is with me?
1: Hello, I'm Sam Fitzpatrick. Okay, no, I'm not, not going to go to... I'm Sam. I got nothing funny this time, boys.
2: And I am Harrison. Also don't got much funny till later. And we'll get there.
0: Believe me. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, well, it it seems like we're having a a bit of a resurgence in previous things that we've discussed. Because not only do we have some DC-related stuff that sounds like we're just going to be riffing on once again. uh, What's new? Uh, We also have some more Twitter bullshit to cover. And it's fairly recent, too. Uh, This bullshit is in reference to Elon Musk making some changes in a means of addressing quote-unquote extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, likely from bots and stuff like that, I assume, anyway. So, in response, he's applied the following temporary limits verified accounts, basically ones with the blue check mark, are limited to reading 6,000 posts a day. How anyone can even get close to that, I have no clue, but what you'll notice very quickly is that there is a clear bias, if you will, towards verified users, as you can probably guess. New unverified accounts, basically people who are just clicking onto twitter just to see uh what kind of funny shenanigans are going on yeah they're limited to 300 a day which is the equivalent of like 10 minutes tops of scrolling
2: i was gonna say important thing to mention reading a post on twitter if you don't use twitter means that you scrolled past it
0: yeah this counts ads that it does which is a little stupid Look, I'm gonna keep my thoughts to this brief, cause I don't use Twitter,
1: so I see this as an absolute gut. People can actually go outside and touch grass. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, on on one hand, on one hand, yes, uh, this is a fantastic way of saying, hey, people, maybe take a break from the fucking bullshit that you're peddling throughout Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> go outside, L- live an actual life, if you will. It's just the, the 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 thing about it. On the other hand, for people who just want to use Twitter, for being on there, and finding shit posts. Yeah, news, or even art. For
2: example, independent news journalists who primarily use Twitter for their source of income.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. This is um, this is no good.
1: It's also a very strange business decision because the whole point of these you know, social media stuff, uh, apps and whatnot to keep people on it for as long as possible. Yeah. This just seems like you're fucking yourself over at your base level.
2: It is also worth mentioning that before Elon took over Twitter, their entire revenue source was from ads. And <clears throat> uh, now their entire source of revenue is still mainly from ads and from, like, one to... 10,000 people paying Elon
0: $8. Yeah. <laughs> it it seems like a band-aid solution really. I mean that, that that's what it feels like. And the thing is is that once you hit those uh limits, uh that that's it. You you can't just wait like 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Like you're locked out. You you can't go on there for the rest of the day
2: <laughs> yeah it's worth mentioning that because of how reading posts works it probably is in the spaghetti code of twitter It means that if you opened the same post like eight times to show it to different people that's eight counts of you reading a post i wonder if it counts like a singular like comment chain and uses up your entire thing if you try to read all the comments on a post
0: Well, I mean, those are replies, not necessarily posts, so I think... replies still have a view counter. Oh, that's true. Oh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) Oh, wow! Oh, no! Oh, I did not think of that. What I'm getting is that this is going to piss off quite a few people that actually use Twitter and are not... um, easily irritable and looking for problems, uh, Neanderthals.
2: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Because,
0: yes, there are there, there are those people that will just go on Twitter because they want to find something to complain about. Twitch, again, Neanderthals. Yes. Because oh. they could easily be spending their time much better.
2: Important note as well, uh, you also can't look at things on Twitter unless you have an account now.
0: Hmm.
2: Neat. So, uh... Yeah, you you can't do anything on the site if you use all your reads. You can't like sign out and try to view things that way because you need an account to look at things. It is yeah, a it's beautiful just, mess.
1: It just kind of seems kind of stupid. Granted, I'm not a businessman, I, you know, I can't really foresee what they're doing, but it just on on a Sam Sam level, it just, just seems kind of silly. I am a businessman.
0: This is a terrible idea. Uh it's funny, too, because uh, I actually recently, um, <laughs> I actually just recently made a Twitter account for the podcast, and I was looking into trying to Incredible. Um, <laughs> use, like, the uh, post-boosting feature to try and get some more traction and, and yeah, you know, some so. exposure, and now I'm just, like, Oh, what a time to try and do that.
2: (laughs) So if you want to spend one of your 300 per day, look at a post. There's the option, I guess.
0: Yeah, we'll have something.
2: (laughs) All right, all right. Ian, conspiracy idea. What if this post limit also applies to Elon? He didn't put it in place. The company did, because he's just been on their site Rowan. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Jesus oh, that'd be funny. That'd be really funny. Speaking uh, of
1: funniness, I think we have a comedy movie
0: to talk about. Or at yes, least it's labeled as a comedy for. Uh, some it's yeah, we, i it's definitely. I saw that. I saw that, and I was like, "Wait, what?"
2: <laughs> we have a movie labeled as a comedy that is uh, not a comedy, and we have a movie that is labeled as a serious film that is definitely a comedy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, both very recent films. One very clearly has a bit more quality to it, but uh, yeah, this is your recommendation, Harrison. Uh, tell us a little bit about your film that you recommend. Yes, the Banshees so, of Inishiren.
2: The Banshees of Inishirin is about two best friends in Ireland, on a remote little island off of there. We have Patrick, who is our main protagonist, and his best friend Colm. Note, it's not Colin. It's C O L M. I I mm-hmm. kept hearing him say Colin for, like, half the film until it clicked that he wasn't saying Colin. But the lead actor is named Colin. Like, the actor's name is Colin. Yeah. But the actor Colin plays Podrick. Don't get confused there. Huh. So, um... Two Best Friends in 1923... Uh, island of Innishar and off of the coast of Ireland. So this is during the Irish Civil War. And suddenly his friend Colum just goes, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Go away. Goodbye. I'm writing music for the rest of my life. And um, the local town drunk is now Patrick's only friend. Who keeps egging him on into trying to talk back to, to column. And then Column gives him an ultimatum of, if you try to talk to me again, I will cut my finger off and throw it at you.
1: The only natural reaction, I mean... And every oh, single time you do it, I will cut
2: another finger off. <laughs> <laughs> As guy yeah. <Michael> does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh my, but, uh where to begin with this movie it was oh wow <laughs> definitely a very different choice uh of movie um it labels itself as a comedy on uh, amazon prime and even on imdb as i look at it but and um, rotten tomatoes yeah and, and there's some funny bits don't get me wrong the beginning
2: is comedic y- yes it is a comedy up until he cuts his finger off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is it's kind of weird. It, it almost like tap dances, like a light tap dance over a heavy subject almost, where I could see why I I don't get. I understand why it could be, why someone could label it as a comedy, I guess, because it has comedic moments, but I don't think it's a, the proper label for it. You know, because there's a there's a lightness to it in general. I, I like a light aura to it. I, I can't really describe it. Like I said, right. it's like a light tap dancing over a dead man's body. You know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. And yeah, I mean, I I was also going to point out that uh, like I said, very different film compared to anything else we reviewed on here i think the closest the closest film that might come to this was maybe an older film back when uh james was still on here uh and i think scott too uh it was river runs through it i think that's really the closest thing but even then that was uh, tonality wise uh not even close <laughs> So, I guess, in terms of my general thoughts, wow <laughs> oh wow um it's good. it's got some quality to it. It definitely is uh very well uh performed, very well uh you know photographed and stuff like that um oh my it, it just gets more and more uh sad. As time goes on, though, it definitely gets more and more sad to the point where when I was... Uh, I, I don't quite think it's it's like this uh, after, you know, taking some time to process it, but when I was watching it, I'm like, oh no, is this gonna just be, like, the equivalent of misery porn and stuff like that? that? That's kind of the impression I had at first. But then I realized that you know, everything happening has its reason and all that. Yeah. But oh my. <laughs> Cause it was... The, uh,
2: ooh. the other important thing to note with the film is it pays a lot of parallels and a lot of it about the Irish Civil War and mentions the IRA throughout a lot of the movie. Right. And it's this friendship that's just been fractured and it can't be repaired there's no moving past what just happened as sudden and abrupt as it is
0: right kind of like the civil war yep so it's almost like between these two people there's like a civil war going on and i think that's brilliant i really do maybe that's that is almost kind of the point
1: is this tap dancing on a serious subject Because it's almost like, in using its humor, it's pointing out how humorous the situation is from, like, a logic perspective. You know? Like, it's serious shit. But maybe, you know, looking back upon it, we could say, well, the reasons for it are a bit, well, silly.
2: Like, one of my favorite things... Well, there's two things I really like with this movie. One, the costume design team. All of their clothing is handmade specifically to match the time period.
0: Wow. But
2: the second thing, though, that I really, really like is there's one line uh, late in the movie where uh, Padraic, after his pet dies because his pet tried to eat uh, Column's fingers that were thrown at his door. Spoiler alert. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. Y- yeah. Um, <laughs> we be getting into the heavy spoilers section. Uh, Goes to Column and tells him That on Sunday at 2pm he is going to burn his house down. But he asks him to leave his pet outside because the pet is the only good thing left of him. And he would not want to hurt her. And then it comes to Sunday and the dog is sitting outside. And he takes the dog with him and burns the house to the ground. And at the... At the end of the movie, he goes back to column with the dog and returns her to him. And he said he basically tells him that he's happy to watch her any time, but they're still never going to be friends again.
1: So, Sammy's general thoughts about it. It's one of those situations where, yeah, it's a good movie. It's very well made. It's solid. Like you said, production's mm-hmm. eh, chef's kiss character's good, well acted, incredibly well acted I dare say. It almost kind of reminds me a long time ago where we watched A River Runs Through mm-hmm. where I could see it like, yeah, no, it's a good movie and I could watch it, you know, if it came up, I, I could watch it, you know but I'm not going to actively seek it out Um, in terms it, it's a weird way to describe is it, it almost feels like perfect for a film class. Yeah it does. It's one of those movies I feel like a film teacher's gonna look at it like, oh, easy, swish, <laughs> you know. Someone could write a paper about this.
2: Yeah, it's it's like when your film teacher keeps making you watch Citizen Kane.
1: Well, that's literally part of the curriculum, no matter where you are. But yeah, <laughs> I I I liked it. It was good. Not my favorite movie of all time, but that's fine. You know, it doesn't have to be. It's it's in terms. Of, I like how I swear it sounds the thematic. It is. You know, it's 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 a very It's a very simple premise of two friends, you know, not becoming friends anymore, and it does this whole side-by-side with the Irish Civil War to represent that in a very good way. You know, it's fairly out there. It's not trying to hide it, and I like that.
0: Right. I think it's also worth mentioning uh, why it is that Calm actually stops talking to Podrick like in the first place. Which, at first, we're kind of left in the dark as to why. He's just sort of, uh, kind of like the movie when it comes to the the, the subject matter, kind of tap-dancing around it. And it's only until, like, once we get towards the middle act of the movie, when Podrick is drunk and confronts Calm, that um, Calm says that he's not talking to him because Podrick is dull. He's boring. And he just talks about completely you know, irrelevant and pointless things that mean nothing. But Podrick, you know, is saying that, well, talking about these things are nice. It, 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 you know, allows you to live and stuff. Which, you know, he has a point in that, but Calm, he just doesn't care, and he wants to entirely focus on music and talk about things that can, you know, stimulate ideas for music and whatnot. Um, and he doesn't want to waste his time anymore just talking about bland and dull things. He he wants to entirely focus on his music and only talk to people, presumably, that would have some kind of, you know, aid in that. Yeah,
2: because the other thing that's important to note, too, is he later explains that he doesn't want to be forgotten. It's something that he's terrified of happening. Mm -hmm. so he wants to become this great composer and that parallels well to the war itself where you know in that time period Colum, it's heavily implied he has a lot of friends in the mainland when podrick doesn't podrick doesn't know really much going on in the mainland at all but it's heavily implied that you know he knows people who are dying in the war and he doesn't want to be forgotten like he knows a lot of people are going to be
0: Mm Hmm. No, that's true. Hodrick also tries saying that, you know, you can still be nice because people remember people who are nice. And Calm says, yeah, but 50 years from now, no one's going to remember a person purely because they're nice. Music, art, stuff like that, you know, composers and artists from like centuries ago still have a lot of their works in museums you know, in books and stuff like that. And Calm most certainly wants to be like one of those artists where their art is timeless and is documented for years to come. There's something else I,
1: I liked in the movie. that was kind of like a, a little bit more subtle, but a nice little theme is the the little civil war they have between each other, these two friends that have known each other for, you know, entire lives, is... If they, they don't really ever truly come to blows for the most part. Like they don't actually like, fist out in the street. <laughs> they don't harm each other directly, but what they're fighting causes harm to, like for example, Colin trapping, uh, you know, cutting uh, his own fingers off rather than hurting Patrick. You know, stuff like that. Like they're not hurting each other directly. They're hurting themselves and they're hurting the ones around them. More so than. Coming to blows with each other you know like irish civil war you're hurting your own countrymen you're hurting your brothers and you're hurting yourselves as a total you know so it's a nice little thematic thing in the movie that i really like yeah and
2: it's also really worth noting that there's a lot of scenes where it's clear that they're still looking out for each other like there's part where the police officer uh beats um uh Podrick in the streets because Podrick revealed to everyone that the officer's been abusing his son. And after Colum witnesses it, he picks him up and helps him get home without saying a single word to him and then just leaves.
0: Which, of course, constantly Podrick keeps on uh, misreading as oh, well, maybe this whole thing isn't actually happening then. Okay, got you. And he keeps mistaking that because he keeps giving Mm -hmm. the benefit of the doubt.
2: Yeah, and I think it takes until, like, an hour into the movie, too, before Colum realizes how much he's hurt Podrick, because there's a scene where he's in the confessional, and then it just dawns on him how much he's, like, hurt him.
0: Right, because, again, Podrick doesn't really know that many people on the island. By that point, too, his sister has left, because she just wants to get away from the island. Because, I mean, the, the island is just such a small area. It's just full of these people that are always wanting to stick their noses in other people's business. They're very two-faced sometimes, and just all around very snooty people. And uh Podrick's like, well, I don't want you to leave, because then w- who do I have here? And so the only thing that he has at that point is his donkey, but as we've already covered... Uh, calms fingers. Uh, the donkey tries to eat them, and uh, dies from it.
1: Yeah. Again, the, their conflict is just killing everything around them. Like the old lady, uh, old McCormick, McCormick, I believe her name, name old lady McCormick. She even prophesies you know, prophesizes that someone will die. But it's it's neither the two, you know, dynamic main characters. It's Dominic, who di- who ends up dying, the uh, son of the abusive guardsman
2: yeah and it's worth noting that they use mccormick in place of a banshee hence the title of the movie where she'll always just be ominously in frame in the scene she appears she's never really the focus she's just lurking before something bad happens so there's a scene right. earlier at the riverbed where dominic confesses his feelings to um Podrick's sister and she tells him that she doesn't feel that way about him and that she's leaving. And that same riverbed is where they find Dominic after he essentially drowns.
1: <laughs> well, the movie's not all sad. We're making it, no, it's we're making not making all a...
2: sad. It's not all sad. That is worth noting. And something right. that key,
1: something key <laughs> that Patrick says at the very end, it's one of the big lines of the movie, is when they are talking about the Irish Civil War, they think it's almost over. Patrick says, well, you know, it'll start again. Because there's some things you can't let go, and it's a good thing. So it's almost like the one positive of this little civil war between them is that there's an investment in each other. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's still a connection. It's violent at the moment, but there's something there. You know? So as right. long as there's an investment in each other, maybe perhaps when the fighting is over, they can still come together again because they share this connection, connection and this invention, investment. With each other. So it, it's not really. It doesn't end on a happy note, but it, no, there's a little definitely. bit of something there that you can take away that doesn't make it complete bleakness.
2: Yeah. It's sort of like a bittersweet ending where it's them recognizing we're not really friends anymore, but we're willing to do anything for the other person. Mm hmm.
0: It's like this little gray area of not being friends, but still lending a helping hand, and I guess appreciating the fact that they can be there to help each other and stuff like that. It, it's almost like having like a like a kind and courteous neighbor. You're not really close with them, or necessarily always friendly with them, but, you know, you're neighbors. Yeah, or... And as long as the community is together, they can still be there for each other. Yeah, or yeah, it's that, not that necessarily...
2: It's not necessarily the kind and courteous neighbor. It's like when you know that one guy, and you're like, oh, I hate that guy. And then you hear someone else badmouth him, like, hey, don't don't you dare talk about him like that.
0: (laughs) Only I can be like that with them. (laughs) No, that's fair. And I still like how when you take everything in, like, oh, the conflict, killing everything around them and stuff like that, um... There always being this sense of things will never be able to go back to the way they were. All of it you can directly correlate to the Civil War, and I like that. And how you can always uh, sometimes from scene to scene hear like the battle off in the distance, um, you know, just constantly reminding you that it's happening. Kind of like how people are constantly. Being reminded of the feud between Podrick and Calm. Um, I really like that little bit, you know. So, I don't think this is necessarily a hard watch or a depressing watch. It is a bittersweet one that has inklings of comedy, but I, I still wouldn't call this a comedy.
2: Yeah, the comedy
0: scenes, though, are good. Yes, they are. And, and I guess maybe the comedy also comes from the fact of just how ridiculous and overblown the feud kind of becomes at certain points. Yeah. I think that's the best way of putting it.
1: So, I mean, overall, my concluding thoughts on it is I I like the movie and the fact that it's, you know, it's thematic. And you can look at it, analyze it, and have fun just kind of deciphering what they mean by it. And it's a very good example of doing that. Like I said, it's a, it's a really good film class film. Um, and just overall, just it's solid. It's just a, it's a good film, you know. I like it. Am I going to scream its name from the rooftops? No. But I will recognize what it what it is as just being a solid, good analytical film about a, a, a you know a different time period that capture
0: it very well. Yeah, it's a nice little character driven movie that has the backdrop of the time period and the conflict that's kind of happening in the background but the thematic stuff kind of reminds you of that and directly correlates with it and I, I, I like that little touch. Um, and again, performances all around fantastic and whatnot. My only main problem and I don't think you guys can necessarily relate unless you were to listen to it the same way I did as I've mentioned before, I have a sound system that I have in my downstairs basement that I often use for just about every movie that we have been reviewing thus far uh, within the year of 2023. And naturally, I watched this movie on there, and it was in 5.1 surround sound, which, when you think of, say, dramas or comedies and stuff like that, you don't necessarily think, oh, well, i got to hear that in 5.1 surround sound. I mainly just listened to it because it was just through the same sound system that I listened to everything else. And on the same system, I've watched A River Runs Through It Again. And I was surprised by how that movie, even though it's not a very sound effects heavy kind of movie, it really draws you in with its audio experience because you have all kinds of ambience... Uh, fireworks, uh, music going through the different speakers, and there's a lot of directionality. And when I watched this movie, I was very surprised to find that most of the time, unless there was music from the soundtrack playing in the background, almost all of the audio came from the center speaker, which to me was very, very strange, because normally you know, especially in the outdoor scenes when they're walking along the trails and, you know, you can clearly see that there's wind, there's the ocean, there's some birds and stuff like that. You think, oh, well, they'll throw some ambient sound effects into the rear speakers so that you get a general idea of what the sound space would sound like if you were in that location. And I cranked up the volume on my sound system just to see if it was just like really quiet or something. And I barely got anything out of them, which I thought was a huge missed opportunity when it comes to really bringing you into uh, the island environment. And that was a bit of a a drawback for me. So I, I don't know if it's just because I watched it on Amazon and they have some kind of like audio compression thing that had something to do with that, but I didn't hear anything from it. And the only time that you get anything out of the rear speakers, or even the front left and right speaker, is when there's music. Because otherwise, there's hardly anything. So that's just me. That's my little nitpick and stuff like that. But as someone that watches most of these movies we review on a surround sound system, kind of let down by that. And I feel like a little bit more should have been done in that area. Otherwise, fantastic movie. And, uh, it's nice to know movies like these are still coming out in the midst of, uh, all kinds of corporate-ridden studio stuff that just produces very hollow movies.
2: Hey, don't do DC
0: dirty like that. Oh! Of course! (laughs) Of course I wouldn't! Mm -hmm. No, not Uh, in any way,
2: would you? (laughs) So, recommend? Uh, yes. i I would heavily recommend this and I recommend it even more if you're a fan of historical or period
1: dramas. Yes. And you know what we're talking about how much this movie is not a comedy, but we can talk about a movie that was a comedy despite its initial game, uh, you know, idea. And that is the hit box office crusher The Flash.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah yeah it really uh, it really crushed the box office oh it really yeah. crushed the box office so hard that they think it's so good that it's potentially going to be pulled from theaters this week oh god oh
2: no i gotta go see it again before it's gone
0: <laughs> oh man um, if it weren't for the Ezra Miller shit, I think we would have had a Morbius where people keep making memes about how great it is and how life-changing it is, uh, that they would have put it back in theaters. Yeah. But, um, now that's not happening because, uh, oh boy, I-, I have been hearing so many things about this movie, and if it were not for just how baffling the movie itself is uh I, I would have had us cover it before our recommended movie, but we save the best for last in terms of the discussion um because here we go twenty twenty three's the flash <laughs> now Ian, have you seen the flash? I have only been able to see the beginning twenty minutes of the flash because our good buddy James happened to uh, gift me a link to a totally legit copy of The Flash. A thing that normally doesn't happen with me. I am not one for looking up uh, pirated versions of um, movies that are already in theaters. I will at most watch clips of like um, screen captures from people filming like a theater uh, screening. Um, but usually I'll only really do that unless it's a movie I don't give a shit about. Or if it's a movie where, like, ooh, I want to re-watch that one scene, but I know it's not going to be on DVD or streaming for a while, so maybe somebody filmed it. Uh, <clears throat> and I say that I only got 20 minutes into it, not because I, I couldn't watch it. I was okay with it and willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I just stopped because the link just had... Awful. Awful quality and awful buffering problems. So I was just like, okay, whatever. And then when I read that it was going to potentially be pulled from theaters, I'm like, oh, okay, so they're just going to fast track it to HBO then. Oh, I'm sorry, not HBO. Max. (laughs) Max. (laughs) Yeah, so here we are The Flash. I have watched a total of 20 minutes. And a few clips online of some of the cameos and some of the other scenes. Um, Most of this is going to be you and Sam, and I'm going to be asking questions and stuff like that. And also giving my thoughts on some of the scenes I saw. Sounds um, good. You two guys, let's start this off. Uh, The Flash. What is it about, and what did you think of it?
2: All right. Sam, can I get... Before we get into the full what's the Flash about, can I get the one redeeming thing of the movie out in the air here? Sure. Because... All right. Because before we dive into it, I think the movie does a fantastic portrayal of Supergirl. Like, phenomenal casting choice there.
1: I I would say so. In fact, a lot of the ca- ca- Not a lot of casting, but Michael... Okay, spoiler alert, Not really. It's in the trailers. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton's in the movie, and he rocks it, too. I may actually surprise you guys by saying, I like the movie.
2: Okay. It it was (laughs) the hardest I have laughed in a
1: theater for the longest time. Yes. Oh, my. (laughs) I'm going to follow the Buddhist mentality in this, in which cringe exists, whether or not you wish it to. To cringe, though, that is an action you take. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's some wisdom right there <laughs> thank you so hot take like I said movie actually not good but really fun yeah unironically not just ironically there were some parts where it's ironically fun uh-huh um god uh you know what you should start first Harrison you should start first general thoughts so,
2: so let's, let's let's get the plot of the flash out of the way because I feel like we could just start exploiting the plot and ribbing into it from there. So, the movie opens with uh our lovely Ezra Miller as the Flash. How uh, where do Where do I? So, me and my friend when we were studying this, we're still dying because it starts with Ezra Miller and it's about a court case.
0: Uh-oh. Which is <laughs> Uh oh! <laughs> 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 which oh <laughs> no! Which
2: already sets what makes this movie so funny. So for the people who don't know the Ezra Miller drama behind the scenes, which makes a lot of these scenes so much funnier. Essentially, Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller committed crimes that went on the run from the police.
0: Multiple multiple like, crimes. More than you would sink
2: child abduction, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Brandishing firearms at people like way off the deep end but dc releases the movie anyways um movie opens with ezra miller being a forensics detective in the court case There late to work as always as barry allen talks to his dad about the night his mom got killed and then gets so upset that he just starts running off wait no wait hold on i'm missing something important that's before before that happens I realized I skipped the scene, Sam. The Mm -hmm. baby in the microwave.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that one.
2: Before that happens, before the court case happens, he is going to get a sandwich and his regular barista is out for the day and it's some other dude who starts giving his life advice to Barry Allen while making a sandwich. And it is implied that he spends 15 minutes making this sandwich while just spouting life advice and not looking backwards. Because the whole time he's doing this, the Flash runs off to a neighboring city, helps thwart a, like, bio lab heist, and then catches children that were going to fall from a NICU in a collapsing building.
1: Yeah, I mean... In a,
2: uh... Marvelously animated scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, the animation is, for the most part, fucking trash.
2: Where Ezra Miller floats around, steals food to feed himself, to keep himself going at supersonic speed, and... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like, I can't touch people when I'm going this fast, otherwise I can kill them. So he, like, nudges them into objects, and then moves the object, ignoring how physics works. If you Mm -hmm. put an infant into a microwave, which he does, and move the microwave, the infant, being a not-fixed object inside of the microwave, would slam into the microwave at Mach 5. Mm Mm-hmm hmm Becoming a pinball in a pinball machine. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but that's not how it works, apparently, in this movie, because you can grab people's clothes and pull them at supersonic speeds, and they'll be fine if he touches their skin. They're not. Why right. does it do this? <clears throat> I don't
1: know. <laughs> something, something, something grimish milkshake. Yes, but
2: anyways, he yeah. saves them all. Nurse on the ground screams. He starts handing the infants over. The microwave dings, and he takes the infant out of it and hands it to her, which means that it was on. Oh yeah. No, no. He, he put them, them in but there he wasn't when it was, done, it was on. It was premature. Oh, cool. <laughs> also, the infants are animated
0: CGI ones, so they look like those Renaissance paintings. Oh my! Oh yeah, I I. I think maybe the crunchy, highly compressed quality of the version I was watching maybe masked just how bad those babies looked, but they still <sighs> were just like, oh my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. This this looks like a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it was. It was, believe Now, me. one thing I will say, one thing I will say, in the bit that I was able to watch, um... I got a little um, happy, but a little frustrated for two reasons. Uh, I was happy because in this opening act, uh, we basically get a glimpse of what a better, more competently handled uh, Justice League could have looked like. Because we have appearances from both Wonder Woman and Batman. That, of course, being Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck Batman. Um, honestly, two of the better parts of the DCEU, in my opinion, especially with Ben Affleck. And uh, just the whole sequence with both of them. I I really liked it. I thought that was a fantastic way of opening the movie to kind of catch people up on, like, how things are going and stuff like that. But because I also knew... That this was likely going to be at least for Ben Affleck the last time we see these interpretations of the characters, I was just like, God, damn it, Zach, why did you have to deprive us of this? <laughs> yeah. So it's
1: it's like they finally kind of get the energy they probably should have gone for, and it's more accurate to the actual Justice League a little bit late. Yeah. A little bit too late because you know if box office at any indication it's
0: fucked. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is that it doesn't really matter because what I've also gotten the impression on from, uh, spoilers, which I guess maybe we can go into now, um, spoilers, uh, the previous DCEU timeline is basically being reoriented and retconned.
2: The, the movie, um, uses time shenanigans and time travel shenanigans. ...to put it in a different timeline from now on... ...so that way the whole thing gets retconned. And they're not stuck... ...having to build off things like Wonder Woman 1984... ...and, uh... ...the Justice League.
1: Right. So, real quick... ...I'm just gonna say this now. Anything that Harrison says... ...is a negative... ...is absolutely 100% true... ...and I 100% agree with it... ...unless stated otherwise... So Okay. I'm just gonna say the things <laughs> I liked about it and I think were positive. Action. Okay. Pretty solid. CGI
0: awful during it, but the sense of action and weight of it is pretty cool. The ideas for the okay. action. Okay. I I mean, I kinda got that from that opening scene. I, I could tell that it really needed some touching up. But when it comes to the vision behind the sequences, it looked like something Straight out of the comics. Like, just the the stylization of it and the energy. It was pretty good. And from what I was able to see of other clips online, especially from Michael Keaton, dear lord, I, I think his action sequences are probably some of the best he's ever done as Batman.
2: Yeah. No, they, they are. Um, To put into retrospect, if you don't want to touch the movie, what um the CGI looks like, if you are a fan of YouTube channels and you've ever seen Corridor Digital, they'll occasionally do these videos where they do, like, a, a sort of, like, battle amongst themselves where one person tries to animate something and they, they'll they all, like, put a clip in of something they animated to, like, show something off. It it looks like a one-man project.
0: Yeah. That's the and kindest it's... way I can put it. Right. and And it's just, like... We're so many movies into these d c films right we are however movies in, and the c g i is like always the one thing where people are like, yeah, it looks terrible i think the the best looking uh of the d c e u films anyway probably is Aquaman <laughs> overall in terms of just yeah. c g i quality because like you could say um Maybe Man of Steel or Batman v. Superman, but because of Zack Snyder's like, signature grayscale, gunmetal, shrapnel color palette, it just doesn't look good.
2: Yep. Speaking you of know. Superman, though, um, at, that reminds me, the plot. Uh, so, after the whole baby microwave thing, uh, he goes to the court, and uh, his dad... It turns out the evidence that he had to prove his dad's innocence wasn't going to work. So he uh-huh. gets so angry that he starts running in a single direction and runs so fast he time travels. And then finds out he can just do this now. Also, note, he does the stupid goofy flash run the entire time. Oh, really. oh, I hate yeah.
0: it, I'll be honest, even I'm like... <laughs> 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 but- it was stupid in Justice League and it's stupid now. Look up and- the action scenes. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Look up the action scenes. Okay. Action scenes are re- actually
1: really, really cool.
2: Yeah. The way they portray time travel in it is also really goofy looking. But um, anyways, he finds out he can time travel, asks Batman if it's a good idea to go back in time. Batman tells him no. He goes, okay, fine. I'm going to anyway and does it. I know. That was... <laughs> uh, fine. So he, he goes back looks back into time and sees his like parents murder or like when that would be and then he gets jump scared by who is revealed later as dark flash who sprints through and like punches him huh <laughs> so he gets knocked out of time traveling by another flash uh so into... hold on, 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 on. You, yes.
0: you, you said dark flash dark flash is it a dark version of Barry Allen? Yes. But oh, so, not, so it's not reverse Flash. Not reverse yeah. Flash. It's, so It's not this Barry
1: Allen, though.
2: So, spoilers okay. for this.
1: Dark okay. Flash
2: later on is revealed to be the Barry Allen from the timeline that Flash gets punched into. Flash, essentially trying to get his powers back, gives this Barry Allen superpowers and pushes him and he becomes Dark Flash.
0: Oh, Okay,
2: but man. basically, uh, he knocks himself into a timeline that Superman doesn't exist because, in General Zod's own words, they uh, destroyed the child. Oh. And he's come to terraform Earth with that stupid machine that just lifts everything <laughs> up and slams <laughs> yeah. it into the oh, ground. God. <laughs> oh
0: god. Oh yeah. boy.
2: It's so it's so funny. There's no. So, be he's so, funny so, as it is.
0: One thing I wanted to ask you guys yes. is uh, one of the other key things that the trailer points out is that in this movie there are two different versions of Barry Allen at the same time. How did you guys feel about that particular uh well I don't want to say gimmick but it kind of feels like it. What what how did you feel about the 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 double berries? One Ezra Miller is almost too much Ezra Miller. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: unintentionally had some of the funniest moments
0: mm-hmm. really
2: they were scenes that were like you could tell meant to be these emotional things but they were hilarious like Ezra Miller yelling at Ezra Miller like you pinned monkey to a dartboard <laughs> or oh my. my personal <laughs> favorite is Ezra Miller watching Ezra Miller get strapped into an electric chair
0: <laughs> oh mm-hmm Huh.
2: This is something that happens in the movie E, and I'm not giving you the context for it so that way you have to look it up.
0: <laughs> but it's... I I I did kinda hear that uh young Barry, uh uh-huh. he he's kind of insufferable. Oh he is. Oh my god, absolutely. He's he's a frat yeah. dude, bro. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the gist that I was getting was um can't believe I'm saying this, but but we're we're living in a day and age where because of the whole shenanigans that happened with uh, the Justice League movie and how there's essentially two different versions of it—the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut. Yep. Um, current Barry, older Barry, Barry who started this whole thing, uh, is supposed to be more in line with how he was portrayed in the Snyder cut, where he's not as jokey. Yes. Or as, like, you know, cringe, I guess, yeah, for no, lack he's... of a better term. Whereas Youngberry is supposed to cater to the people who, unfortunately, liked the Whedon cut and are more familiar with that when they saw it in theaters. So, immediately I was like, oh, okay, so I'm just gonna not like Youngberry. Got you. Okay. <laughs>
2: uh, But... Young Barry is kind of insufferable. Don't get me wrong there. Um, It's revealed later on in the movie that he becomes Dark Flash because he keeps trying to go back in time because he learns the power from Other Barry to save Supergirl from dying to Zod because it's they point out these things. Okay, if you've seen a better movie, which would be Into the Spider-Verse and the whole canon event thing, it's that. It's the kids, ah, stupid canon okay. events. Canon event is because there's no Superman, Zod wins every single time. Zod, baby, let's go. It's all about Zod. So he wins and terra the world, and no matter how much they like rewind time, he'll always win, which has this hilarious scene of Batman ramming his ship head-on into an alien spaceship and instantly dying. Then they go back, and he's like, no, don't do that, Batman. There's a shield. And he's like, Got it, going around, and he flies in a circle around. He's like, but that guy doesn't have
1: a shield, and he gets killed by that guy. Yeah, it's it's unintentionally <laughs> pretty funny. But like I said, the exes are fun, and it's overall at least the tone of it isn't
0: super gritty, miserable shite, right? Because we've had a little bit too much of that with the Snyderverse, and, and I think, and I think that's
1: really where I draw like positive from. It it feels like they're actually trying to make a comic book movie.
0: Well, that's good, because, I mean, I don't think the Marvel films have ever been comic booky enough. It's like this weird in-between of, like, grounded in, like, semi-reality and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, this one to go full comic booky and stuff like that, I like that. Um, but, Sam, I was also meaning to ask, since, you know, Harrison has been kind of riffing a lot on, like, what was unintentionally hilarious and... and what was either confusing or not great. Um, Mm -hmm. Since we are in the spoiler territory, what were some of your favorite story moments? Or at least ones that you consider like, yeah, that was actually pretty all right. So the moment where Young Flash,
1: I'm just going to call him Young Flash for the sake of simplicity. Yeah. learns that he can go back in time and keeps attempting to save his friends. As silly as the situation is, I like that idea. Because it's him learning the lesson the hard way. And it's a good moment for Olderberry to see, oh, shit, yeah, no, that's directly what is happening here and realizing his mistake. I actually liked that quite a bit. The way they did it was silly. But with Young Flash constantly going back and getting more injured and becoming more monstrous with every time, I liked that. It, it, it was a cool visual thing. It was a cool, you know, thematic thing. I, I liked that. Was it done well? Perhaps not. But the, the the soul of it, the principle of it, I liked quite a bit. Um, otherwise, the best story moment is seeing Nicholas Cage Superman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. I heard about that. No, nothing
1: beats that. I'm sorry. Was yeah. it awful CGI on him? Absolutely.
0: Oh, my God. But it was just kind of funny <laughs> to see. Yeah. Oh, I bet. <laughs> um... Were there any particular moments that you liked with uh cuz I I unfortunately because of just how shitty the version I was trying to watch was I never got to see Michael Keaton yet. Uh what were some of your favorite moments with Michael Keaton?
1: The action scenes were pretty good. Just in yeah. general. H- him he just slipped back into being Batman so easily. Oh, definitely. It was it was actually pretty fun to see. So, just in general, just oh, whenever he's on the screen, I'm like, okay, I'm liking this.
2: Oh, Sam, I, I just <clears throat> remember one of the scenes. Do you remember that scene where Barry is first talking to young Barry, and then he, like,
1: contemplates
2: killing him? Yeah.
0: What?
1: That, he, like, that is probably my least favorite part of the movie, is him going to the new timeline, meeting young Barry, and just, like, that beginning, like, 40 minutes of them wait. interacting. It's just like, ugh, can we please get on to the next scene?
2: Like, it- it seems like he's going to kill him and body swap him. Like, there's part where he, like, throws a punch at supersonic speed and, like, stops the last second. He's like, how hard do I need to hit someone to, like, make them forget? And he's like, never mind. And, like, goes his hand back down like he wasn't gonna just kill the other timeline him with, like, a Mach 5 punch.
0: Oh my god. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Jesus. But overall
1: thoughts, I, I, at the very least, watch the action scenes. Action scenes are pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, look, there's a reason it's failing. Yeah. Watch the action scenes. The Supergirl
2: portrayal was absolutely phenomenal, and it makes me excited because they're going to probably
0: keep that actress to do Supergirl later on down the line. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I I was seeing, like, some of the trailers and, and some of the clips that they had on, like, YouTube and stuff like that, and she seemed like she was doing a pretty good job. Obviously, she's not entirely, like, the usual Supergirl that we're familiar with from either the comics or even the animated series that have come out over the years, but she seemed to be doing all right. Yeah,
2: I I do like the portrayal they have, though with how she got poorly mistreated for, like, so long on Earth that she just will not, like, hesitate to kill someone if necessary and has to be taught to reel it back by the rest of the people.
0: Right. (laughs) Alright, well, I I guess here comes the question, since, for now anyway, uh, The Flash is still in theaters. Um, even though there is talk that it's supposed to be pulled from theaters pretty damn soon, which is the second superhero film within the last couple of years to have that happen. The previous one was X-Men Dark Phoenix.
2: <laughs> I forgot that movie even came out. I'm going to be honest with you, Ian.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I th- wait, they made, movie- they made X-Men movies after the third one?
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Well, okay, some of them were good. Logan was good, First Class was good, other ones, not so much. They ranged from terrible to, like, mediocre. With the exception of Logan. Alright, well, I I guess that does beg the question, uh, should people perhaps just wait until the movie's on streaming?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. Okay. That way they could skip (laughs) past certain parts.
1: Oh, okay. No, that's. Oh, by the way, after credit good. scene was a fucking joke. Oh, it
0: was. It, it oh, wasn't okay. worth. Hang it on. wasn't Once worth again, for back in spoilers. Back in spoilers. What was the post credit scene? I didn't literally see just
1: that. him drinking with Arthur Curry. Yeah, that's it. This is just like a little really? drink scene. He's like, "Oh, Arthur Curry's like, ah, I'm drunk." Falls over in a puddle. That's it. That's really just this scene. Nothing yeah, important. Yeah, and then oh. him
2: going here, here, tip the bartender with this, and handing him like
1: a ring. Oh, that's it. That's it. It was. It was very stupid. It was very unnecessary. Oh. Yeah, that was probably the least favorite part of the movie. But anyway, it was fun. It was dumb. I would suggest (laughs) watching it at least once, you know? Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't recommend it based on its merits as a film, but... Yeah. But hey, you know what? If you're looking for a good time with some buds...
2: Get a a couple drinks and pop on the movie... And just crack
1: jokes during it. For it may not be a good movie, but it is a good time. Exactly.
0: Okay. Well, alright. That's not bad. Um, But, uh, got you. Definitely wait until it comes on streaming. Definitely do that. But (laughs) watching the death of the DC will definitely be...
1: An inciting
0: moment. Oh, indeed. Who knows what's gonna happen. I mean, uh pretty soon we're going to be getting a uh, blue beetle which is the first of the James Gunn helmed uh, DCEU so i guess we'll see what happens and yeah. apparently we're going to be getting superman legacy in 2025 i yes. believe i think so yeah, yeah you know so i know. guess we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with that one shit yeah, we'll see but whose turns to recommend uh Harrison, I think you last looked at the rotation. I, I had was
2: recommended it... the, the Irish film, looking at the last rotation we had. Hold on one second. So that one was a me recommendation. Who was it that recommended Bullet Train? Because that gives us the answer.
1: It was It was me, I think.
2: Then it would be oh. you. Because last time I recommended a movie, Bullet Train was the one that followed.
0: Okay, got you. So then, Sammy Boy, did you have any idea for what your recommendation was? Yes.
1: Um, It's a film my brother told me about, and it's not really truly an official film. Not a lot of people are actually going to ever really hear about it. It's it's an SFM film about, of all things,
0: Team Fortress 2. Oh! (laughs) Okay! I
1: I am intrigued. It the, mo- right. the movie, and I'll type it in the chat, my lads. It's Emesis Blue, and Ooh. the description my twin gave it is: What happens if a t- you know one of the characters takes too long to respond? I see. Huh. And he described it as an S M version of Jacob's Ladder.
0: <laughs> oh <Amazing>. my! <laughs> oh my! Well, that so, sounds interesting.
1: May I
2: kindly ask that we only talk about SFM movies next time? (laughs) Oh, Of course.
0: All source filmmaker, nothing but
1: it. I have no opinions
0: on it because I haven't seen it myself, but we'll we'll see what happens, boys. Indeed. I've been having a bit of interest in tapping into using SFM, so this will be some interesting uh, inspiration for getting some ideas and stuff like that. But... Until then, all you wonderful people out there listening, take care. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye bye. Don't be ruined now. Bye. Be ruined. Don't be ruined.